Hey, this is Quentin Moore, and I'm the pastor of the Father's House, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I hope the message inspires you, gives you faith, and lets you see that God is truly moving in your life. We hope you enjoy today's message. The word this morning, somebody give Dale a shout, yeah. You got your Bible this morning? Is it in your electronic, you know, your back pocket? Do you carry it with you? Uh, I hope you do. Get it out, turn it on, and stand with me this morning. Can I preach? I had to be real sedate in first service. Didn't want to wake anybody up. I had to be real sedate. Not going to be that way in second service. You ready? Four verses, five verses out of Ruth chapter 2. There was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth of the family of Emelech. His name was Boaz. So Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, please let me go to the field and glean the heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor. And she said to him, go my daughter. Then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened, say she happened. One translation said, it, it happened. Say, it happened. It, it just happened. You ever just happened? Just, just happened. She just happened to go to Honduras. Just, just kind of happened. It, she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Imelech. Now, behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered him and said, the Lord bless you. And Boaz said to his servant who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? Whose young woman is this? Father, I pray this morning that our attention would be caught. I pray this morning that we would focus on your word and hear specifically what you might be saying to us in the myriad of things that are available to us. I pray this morning you would cut through all those things and speak specifically to every person. I ask it in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. It just happened. She just happened into that field in that afternoon when Boaz showed up. She just, you ever had just something happen? Every time I read it happened, I want to know what? What, what, what was it? I mean, Exodus 3 says, now it happened in the process of time that the groanings of the children of Israel came up into the ears of the Lord and he remembered. It, it happened. What, what, what is it? Most of the time I, I wonder what it was or what it means. It just kind of happened. You know, uh, Zig Ziglar once made this statement. I happened to be there. He said, you know, there are three kinds of people in the world. People that make things happen. People that watch things happen. And people that have no clue what is happening. And and I I gotta be honest with you, most of the time I'm standing in places and I think they ain't got a clue what's taking place. They just don't, oh, people make, they watch, or they just haven't got a clue. See, most people live by default. And we were made to live by design. You and I were designed in the image of a God. You and I were, have a life, we have a designer life that's in front of us. I mean, it's a designer life. God has designed us to rule, to reign, to prosper. He's designed us to be the head, not the tail, above and not below. He's designed us to be blessed in everything that we touch. He's designed us to be champions and conquerors. He's designed us to function as he would if he were here. He's designed us to live a certain kind of life. And anything below that life is less than flourishing. He's designed us to live in a way that would bring joy and peace, 
He's, you've been designed that way, and most people live by default. His case are raw, you know, they, whatever will be, will be. It just happens. They, they don't live very intentionally. They live kind of by accident. You know, just kind of accidentally stumble into or fall into things. But she happens into this certain field at a certain time when a certain man came into that place. She happened to be at the right place at the right time. And it would change not only her life, but the life of the people she loved, and it changed your life. You see, this story is a a masterpiece of stories. It is a storyteller's dream. The book of Ruth is four chapters long. I would challenge you today to just read it a couple of times this week when I get done. I'll give you the cleft notes, but you read it, and you'll find stuff I'm not going to preach. Because it is a story that can be lifted up out of the context of the Bible and read alone is a story in and of a story. You you can pick it up and read it and not even know anything about the rest of the Bible and draw great truths from this story because it's a master story. It's a novel. It's a mystery. It's poetry and prose all put together. It'll captivate your heart and your soul. It'll encourage you. It, It is about love and support, about human relationships and friendships. It's about survival. It's about how an interaction takes place amongst people that didn't really know each other. It's a story about how in her old age, in the sunset of life, Naomi makes a contribution into the world. It's a story about how three relentless women overcome issues in their life and really thrive. It's the story of the gracious behavior of a man in response to the need of those women. This story is the genealogy of the making of a king. Ruth is the great-great-grandmother of King David. It's a story filled with shadows and types of the realities that are found when Christ himself appears on the earth. It's the backdrop of the life of Jesus Christ. This story, this little story, is about how a man leaves Israel because there's a famine there, and he takes his family into a foreign land, and there he die. And not only he, but his two sons die, leaving behind not only his widow, but the widows of his two sons. This is, this is a story about how that widow comes to her mind and says, I, I think I'll go back home. It's just a wonderful story, and yet I'll have to skip over most of it to get to the parts that I want to. Naomi finds herself in Moab with two daughter-in-laws who are Moabites, not Israelites, the now grieving widows of her two sons, and her herself a grieving widow. And she realizes or hears that there's bread back in Bethlehem. She realizes that the famine was enough to make them leave, but the grief and the pain that's happening here is overwhelming. This story of these three grieving widows brought together by the senseless death of their husbands. How many of you know that many times we have friendships based out of a basic shared trauma? We, we find relationships because we've hurt together. Because we have the same pain together. Uh, Frankly, some of my closest friends are brought together because of a shared pain. And and my grandmother, you say, don't trust somebody that doesn't walk with a limp, Dwayne. If they haven't wrestled with the Lord, if they have never lost anything, they really don't know what it is to have to struggle to live. 
You see, most of the time, our deepest relationships are forged in the hardest, hottest fires of life. And in the midst of that, these three women are brought together. They probably all three suffered from PTSD. I'm, I, I, come on, if you experience the trauma of losing a husband and two sons and left with, I mean, the feelings, I mean, you're probably, basically, you're, you're paralyzed. You, you're, you basically are unable to cope with life, right? You, you, you want to cover your head up when the sun comes up. You, you just don't want to do anything. You want to veg out on football and potato chips. You, 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 ha- you overreact to other situations because of this unventilated pain that's in your life. Have you ever had unventilated pain? Pain that was, you, you thought yesterday you cried all you could cry, but today you're still crying. You, 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 you were stuck, but you finally promised yourself that you were going to get out of this depression. How many of you ever promised yourself you're going to break out of this apathy, but this pain keeps coming back? It just, the struggle is right there. It's extreme. The trials and trials. I, I want to say to you that after 2020, there's a lot of shared pain. After 2020, one of the things I think that the culture has failed to realize is the trauma that's going to follow us for the next five to 10 years. If, if, if the death of 3,000 in New York followed us for 10 years, can you imagine the death of 600,000? One of the things I'm afraid that's going on in America is we're just kind of walking on like nothing happened. Well, something did happen. And to ignore that it happened is to set people up for failure. You can't just ignore that someone lost a husband. You can't just ignore that someone lost a child. You can't just ignore that something. You have to face the reality that there has been trauma in the lives of these three women. And they're brought together not because they were successful, but because they're struggling. But because they're stressed out. Because they're a victim. Because this hurts. It's kind of like, did someone, did the devil get loose in my life? What happened? And notice how quiet it gets in here. Everybody in here has had this kind of a struggle. And yet we struggle not to be defined by what has happened to us. What happened? We struggle not to allow what has happened to us to determine everything in our lives. But we are surrounded by a religious structure of the last 300 years that who sinned? Their parents or the boy? See, when something happens in our life, particularly in our religious setting in America, we want to know who did what to who because obviously you reap what you sow. And can I just tell you, that's not true. That's a misappropriation of the scriptures. Things happen, it rains on the just and the unjust alike. Sometimes you're just in the wrong place at the wrong time and it just happens. And yet, when we are in too deep of a religious setting that is so binary that it's trying to always figure out who's right and who's wrong, then we are left with these three grieving women in a foreign land for one and in the homeland for the other two, and they're unhappy. And in the midst of this world where we think that happiness is the result of something happening that makes us happy. That if our happiness is connected to what happens to us, we of all people will remain wholly unhappy. Right? Because things happen in our lives and they don't feel good. It's, it, 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 it's paramount to us that we understand as Christians that our happiness doesn't come from what happens to us. But that our happiness comes from who loves us. 
that our happiness is not guaranteed because we've been able to avoid tragedy or we've been able to No, happiness comes to us because we know there is this God who is in our lives that in spite of what happens to us is going to take all things and work them out together for our good. That no matter what happens to us, that God is not done with us. That no matter whatever takes place in our lives, the devil will not win that we will become what God has called us to become. That we were designed by a designer God and we've been given a designer life and we don't have to live accidentally. And yet, particularly in Western America, we want everybody's lives to be the response, the, the, the result of their choices. Well, I'm telling you, Oscar made no choice to be born to the people he was born and to nearly lose his life in the way he did. That was not his choice. Huh. Things happen in people's lives. And when we try to set it into an analytical reality of X's and O's and rights and wrongs, we will end up traumatizing people even further than the event that they're trying to overcome. The choices I believe that are really important are not so much the choices that we make in response to life, but the choices that we make as to who we are going to become in spite of life. What kind of person am I going to be? What kind of character am I going to have? What kind of attitude am I going to have? How am I going to live irregardless of the happenings that happen to me? What kind of being do I want? What what do I want you to say about me when I'm dead? How how do I want to live today? And I I find that most evangelicals are so concerned about where they're going that they're not concerned about who they're becoming. And that we need today to look at the kind of people that are related to us in this story and recognize that two women are going to make great choices here that speak to us today. That when Naomi decided she was going to go back home, that she had two Moabite daughter-in-laws. And she says, I'm going home. I'm going home. I'm going back to my home. I'm going back to my people. And and she said, you stay here. You stay in this land. You stay in the land of Moab. You stay here because I'm never going to, I'm too old. I'm not going to have any more sons. What are you going to do? Wait till I have another son. It's never going to happen. You're, uh, stay here. And the choices that these two women make are paramount. One of them is going to choose to stay in the familiar. One of them is going to choose to stay in what she knows and she understands and she's going to make a decision that's good for her. And I do not begrudge her. Everybody makes decisions, right? But Ruth, who is the centerpiece of the story, Ruth says, no, I'm going to take care of you. Ruth says, I, I, have, I, I have no idea where Israel's at. I don't know anything about Israel. All I know is that your husband's dead and my husband's dead and you're old and you need me. Ruth makes a choice to care for Naomi. Ruth didn't make the choice to go with Naomi because it was good for Ruth. Ruth made the choice to care about Naomi more than she cared about herself. Ruth made the decision that other people are more important than she is. 
Ruth made the decision that whatever is good for you will have to be good for me. And Ruth makes statements like, don't entreat me to leave because wherever you go, I'll go. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Your house will be my house. Wherever you die, I will die. Ruth chose to be a good person. Ruth chose to care about other people more than she cares about herself. Ruth chose to be an immigrant in a foreign country. Listen to me. Ruth chose the person above anything else. Do you understand that God chose you above anything else? That God chose to call you friend, not because you earned it, not because you deserve it, but because you needed a friend. You needed someone that cared more for you than you could care for yourself. Do you understand that when you see Ruth choose to go with Naomi, you are seeing a God-like life. You are seeing a life that was created in the image of God that somehow in her Moabite mind was able to recognize, I have to take care of that person. Do you understand how obsolete that is in the 21st century? you understand how out of the ordinary that is in the 21st century? Some Christian circles would happen to talk about it, but to see it as perhaps the foundation of being God-like, made in the image of God, created in the design of God, somehow inerrant inside of us is this knowing that we are called to be good to other people. And she said, I'm going with you. Uh, I'm, I'm going back with you. Thomas Aquinas, Augustine, a number of early writers talk about the three levels of relationship. They actually talk about three levels of friendship. There are relationships, friendships that are to your advantage. You get something out of it. It's useful to you. We all need that, right? We do need to have useful friends, people that are useful to us, and hopefully I'm useful to them. And then there's friendships that are pleasurable. They bring you joy. They, they give you pleasure. And it, it's always nice to have a friend that makes you joyful, right? But the early fathers talked about friendship that was not because they were advantageous to you or pleasurable to you, but they were friends that had your best and your highest at heart. Friends that would do what was good for you, even if it wasn't for them. Friends that wanted to see you become everything God had intended you to be. Parents should be these people. Spouses should be these people. Not all of them are. But we are called to be friends of God. To do good for other people. Can I tell you that happiness is found in living a life that is lived for others. Happiness is the results of knowing that I'm for you. That I'll give my life sacrificially for you. That is happiness. Happiness is not ending up somewhere. Happiness is not making the right decisions and getting something. Happiness is when this life is given away for the sake of another. That is happiness every day, no matter what happens. And Ruth shows us in this masterpiece of a story that real friendship is more than finding something useful in a person. 
Real friendship is more than finding something pleasurable in a person. But real friendship goes to the heart of what I was designed to be, and that is to be good to another. It's called virtues. It's called ethics. It's called moralities. You see, you'll never legislate this. This either comes in a discovery of one's heart in God by being born again, by uncovering that in reality it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Notice how quiet it gets. Because this is so truthful, it cuts through everything. And Ruth said, I'm going home with you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to be your friend. I'm going to be your daughter-in-law. It's just... Now let me tell you, don't, don't, don't ever get upset with the Oprahs that go home, but always understand that your life really will never be what it's supposed to be without certain relationships in your life. I've come to realize that at 63 that there are relationships in my life that have made my life be what it is. That I would never enjoy the life and the happiness that I have outside of you. That I actually have given my life for you, for this community, and that without all of you, I wouldn't be who I am. That's what church means to me. Church is not an institution. It's not a set of bylaws. It's not a stand for or stand against. Church is just a community of friends who live their lives for the sake of one another, who live their lives helping their children, burying their parents, being there when they're sick. I'm, I'm just going with you. Years ago, I remember Annie and I looking at each other and say, we're just going to give our life to this community. That's it. And whatever goodness we've gotten out of it, it's because we're just going there. We're just going to them. You have to hear me. This will cut through the religious malarkey that I hear on television, that I hear in hallways, because we are called to give our lives not just to God, but to each other. Hmm. It's happened before. Moses and Joshua, Elijah and Elisha, David and Jonathan, Paul and Timothy, relationships that are designed around the virtue of each other, designed around what is good for all. You have to catch this reality that when you make those kinds of choices, stuff begins to happen. It's happened in my life. I've watched it happen in others' lives. That when you make that decision, your people will be my people. When you make that decision, all of a sudden these things begin to happen. Next week, I hope, I'm going to teach on Jonah. You know, he, he just happened to go into a storm, right? Just happened to be thrown over where the fish was at, right? The fish just happened to swallow him. The fish just happened to spit him up near the location he was supposed to be in the first place right? Just happened, right? Just, Jonah's life just happened. I, just, just happened that David was overlooked by his father, Jesse. It just happened that he was carrying the basket of cheese up to the front lines when Goliath was shouting, I'm going to kill you. It just happened that 
David would sing in the court of Saul. It just happened that his wife and child got stole at Ziglag. It just, just happened that David's heart was knit to the heart of Jonathan. It just, right, it just happened that Saul would become Paul. It just happened that Peter would deny the Lord. It just happened that Matthew was a tax collector. It just happened, right? It just, it just, she just happened to be in that field with that guy at that day on that time. If you haven't figured it out yet, nothing just happens. That when you make a decision to live your life for other people, God begins to put your life into the design that he has for you and to bring about what he has willed for you. And that all of a sudden, what he has willed in heaven begins to be manifested through you on the earth. For the plans and the purposes I have for you are to do you good and not do you harm. I have determined that all things will work together for your good, if you choose to be good. You didn't get it. All things work together for those that love the Lord. And to love the Lord is to look for the good for other people. And if you look for the good of other people, then no matter what happens to you, it's gonna work out for good. You don't get to live like hell and treat other people like hell and then think, no, you do have to realize that you're here for other people. Notice how quiet it gets in this place. People are always asking, well, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe this? I just believe I'm here to, in some way, do good to you. That's why I think Quentin's here. It's in some way love you, to some way tell you you matter, and to some way to say whatever I can do to ease that pain. I may not be able to fix it, but can I hold your hand while mom or dad dies? Can, can, can I be there while your child... Am I making any sense? Church for me is not a statement of belief that we're Baptist, Pentecostal, or we're this. Church for me are a group of people who have determined in their lives that God has been so good to them, they must now be good to others. And to live and die in our generation and in our time expressing the love of God to the people we share life with. To be honest with you, it's no more complicated than that. It takes religious bigots to make it complicated. It takes politicians to use it against us, of which I gotta tell you in 2020, I've refused. Just refused. Because I know more about my God than they do. And I'm tired of having politicians tell me about the God that loves me. Ruth followed Naomi back into Israel, and she just happened into this field. She just happened to be in this field picking up grain. Now come on, Kansas. They're cutting grain. All you got to do is drive an edge of town and you'll see these wheat fields and they've combined it up, right? Ruth went into those fields and started picking up what had fallen on the ground. She was picking up the left behinds, the leftovers, the trash. She was digging in the trash can in the fields. She was gleaning from what was laying on the ground so she could go feed her mother-in-law. Are you getting this? She was picking up what was on the ground so she could go feed her widowed mother-in-law. And Boaz showed up. 
Whose woman is that? Who? What? You, you see, what you do will catch the eye of people. What you do for other people will scream loudly. Whose woman is that? Oh, Boaz. That's, she's the daughter-in-law of the Moabite that's a the daughter-in-law of your relative named Naomi, you know, that old widow woman that went there and she's here. <laughs> and in the 16th verse of that chapter, Boaz, after he said, don't anybody touch her. Everybody leave her alone. Let her do whatever she wants to do here. And then he goes in the 16th verse of that chapter and he says, I want you to draw hand, drop handfuls on purpose. I want you not just to, but just stop every once in a while and take out and just drop it on the ground and just leave her a little extra. Most of my life I've lived because somebody dropped handfuls on purpose. See, what you don't know is what God has said behind your back. What you don't know is what God has said in the midst of your mess about you. Don't touch that woman. In fact, just drop some on purpose. Do you know God is purposely dropping favors for you because he's noticed how you're treating Naomi? What do you do when all hell breaks out in your life and your husband is, well, you take care of whoever's closest to you. That's what you do. Huh. What do we do when we just happen into these messes? As your pastor, I'm looking at you going, God's saying things behind your back. God's giving instructions in the midst of your mess. God is looking out for you when you don't even know he's looking out for you. God is telling the servants to leave some extra for you. In the middle of what's happening to you, God's taking it and using it for your good. For some of you, you need to hear me. You need to hear me saying, don't stop now. Don't quit now. Don't give up now. For others of you, you need to hear me saying, this is what you do when all hell breaks loose. This is how you live through those moments is you start considering other people more highly than yourself. This ain't over. This is real friendship. This is the way you and I were designed to live. This, this is the Christian life. This is the way you live on earth as it is in heaven. You just drop handfuls and you live by handfuls. She goes back and she tells her mother-in-law, I think he was dropping a little extra. The mother-in-law goes, that's Boaz. That's Boaz. You, you get as close to him as you can. And Ruth goes over near Boaz in chapter 3, and Boaz says, I'll redeem you. I'll redeem you. I'll, I'll purchase the land that belongs to your husband. See, what you don't realize is that when Naomi's 
husband died, the land went to her son. And when her son died, it now sits in a trust for the young woman named Ruth. The land in Bethlehem, the birthplace of our Lord. And it's sitting in trust. And whoever marries the woman gets the land. And whoever marries the woman puts the woman in the lineage of Jesus Christ. So that Jesus Christ would be the great, 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 great grandson. The King David would be the great, great grandson. And all of a sudden, you're in the lineage of, did you know that all you got to do is be good to some people and you're going to be in the lineage? Do you know how you know you belong to the family? Because you act like the family. Because it's not hard to see the morals and the values and the goodness and the kindness of the father's family. I, I don't care whether they were Roman Catholic or whether they were Episcopalian or Baptist, but I, 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 I know that at heart. I know, I, I, I can recognize that heart. Because God doesn't look at the outside, he looks at the heart. Am I making any sense this morning? And Boaz redeems the woman, marries the woman. The woman conceives and has a child and takes the child and hands it to Naomi, her aged mother-in-law, and the Bible, not me, the Bible says she nursed that child. I'm not very smart, but old women don't nurse. <laughs> I, I don't have to have a biology lesson to figure it out. It just happened. It just happened that Ruth married Naomi's son, that Ruth followed Naomi home. It just happened that Ruth ended up in that pasture. It just happened that Boaz came into that pasture. It just happened that Boaz dropped handfuls on purpose. It just happened that he redeemed her so that he could purchase her into the family that she could be the great, great grandson of David and the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus. It just, nothing just happens. God has designed you to be like him. Amen. To be good to people that are not good to you. To forgive people that hurt you. To live extremely different from the world around us. Not to react to this world, but to be a foreigner here. And to be not from here. To be not like them to turn the other cheek, go the extra mile, to give again and again. See, that's not an earthling. That's a heavenly being. And when we walk like that, when we live like that, stuff happens. And you look back over and people go, hey, how would that happen to you? How would that happen to you? Do not allow the traumas of your life to jade you to the point that you become so bitter that you stop being kind. Don't allow the traumas of this world, the judgments of this world, the opinions of this world to alter 
the kind of person that God created you to be. Be that person. Be that person. Be the friend that's not looking for an advantage or pleasure, but just looking to do good to the people with whom you share life. I'm 63 this summer. Next 10 years of my life, this is the message I will preach. For 35 years, I told you love one another. For the next 10 years of my life, I want to tell you, we're going to walk out and be good to people. And when we are good to people, not because they can do anything for us, but just because we can be good to people, things will happen. It'll just happen. Because we'll slip into the design that God has for us. As I was preparing this, I found myself writing this. You guys can come on back out if you want to. I'm done. Let me read this to you. I'm going to give my people the opportunity to go backwards. These decisions will be made over the next few months. Many will be like Ophrah and return to the familiar and the unknown, or the known. This will be a season that many will do the expected. Others will be like Ruth, making decisions to move forward into the unknown. They will make exceptional decisions and be known as those that will do the exceptional in the future. Those who decide to do the exceptional will go through testing in unknown waters. However, the unknown will become familiar. From this place, they will prosper and gain new favor. Fear not the crossroads of this moment, for there is great grace to move forward at this moment. Even though your emotional soul will want to go backwards, I say to you, press into the new that I have for you, and you will prosper. Stand with me. response to this message is not for me to call you down here and pray over you or do something. The appropriate response to this message is to go give your life away to other people. The appropriate response to this message is to take and turn it into action. And go good, go good to people. And once you realize how good God's been to you, <laughs> the joy of being good to others, for about 18 months, all I've wanted to say was be nice. Be nice. You're not playing very nice. <laughs> be nice. I can say it to my grandkids. I could have preached this. I could have preached it strong. The Lord told me to come here this morning and talk to you like a dad. Talk to you very calmly and very prophetically. I believe some of you are going to move into the future and do exceptional things. You're going to catch the eye of the world. The eye of the world. None of you are insignificant. None of you. 
Father, as we come to the table this morning, my prayer is that every heart and mind would be open to not only receive you as their Savior, not only receive you as the goodness, but Lord, to be those people through which that goodness would flow, that it would change the world, that it would revolutionize our culture. Hey, I hope the message truly inspired you today. If it did, do a couple things for me. Subscribe to our show and it'll just drop right into your feed and you can stay current with all that we're doing. The second thing is, is if you've been impacted by this ministry, you can click the link right there in front of you and you can become one of our givers and that'll help us to keep spreading the gospel and the good news around the world. Everyone needs to hear the good news right now, maybe more than any other time. So God bless and I'll see you next time.